Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel. Here is your guide on this journey, Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hey everybody, it's Matt DeWolf. I am the Chief Marketing Officer for the International Car Wash Association, and as always, your host on this adventure called Car Wash the Podcast. This is the podcast that makes you a better car washer and a slightly better human being. At least we hope we can achieve that that goal for you. Uh, Look, here is what's going down with this episode. This was recorded at the Car Wash Magazine Live studio in Las Vegas during the Car Wash Show 2023. I think it's full of really great information for you. Friends, I hope you enjoy. Friends, this is going to be a great discussion because we are talking now about uh, talent management. Uh, More specifically, we're going to get into kind of retaining employees and engaging your current workforce to really drive kind of a top-notch culture with your business and make your place uh, somewhere that people want to work. And so joining me to have that conversation and to shed lots of light and give you lots of takeaways that I could never give you are Claire Moore from the International Car Wash Association, Justin Salisbury from Breeze Through, and then down at the end, uh, last but definitely not least, uh, we got Michael Schultz from Rich's Car Wash. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks. Thank Thanks. you. So this is a, this is a thing. Um, this is not an easy thing. So I'm hoping that uh, you all can crack the code for us today. And we'll walk out of here and we'll know exactly what to do. And this is all easy. So let's start a little bit about, let's go kind of like as high level, as you think about your organizations and what you think is important to consider when you think about what's keeping people in your organizations. What do they need? What what, What are you kind of watching? What's a trend you're watching? Uh, you know, I think everybody always says it's all about the money, right? It, it, that's what's going to keep people retained and, and, and reduce your turnover at your organization. But I think it's very little to do with the money these days. I think as long as you're paying market value or a little bit higher, I would say, um, then money is not an issue. People can go and get jobs wherever they want. They can always probably go and find a better job or get paid a little bit more than they're making now. But you really have to focus on the actual employee as a person and their development and then really bringing them through your organization. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It, it's different, right? I mean, what, what data might suggest if we look at our organizations is, boy, everybody feels like they're leaving because they can get paid more elsewhere. But um, the psychology of the thing doesn't play that out. So, yeah. Justin, what are you, what are you watching? Well, uh, to echo something Claire said, you've got to be competitive with some of those things that are just necessary to hold a job, right? You've got to have the wages, the benefits that are meaningful to people. But to keep them, to have them on board, we're talking about something that's beyond being an employee. We're talking about something that is meaningful to every one of you in the audience, myself included, and the people on this stage. And that is there needs to be a belief that there's significance for the person Really, they need to know, they need to believe they matter. And there's a tool that we're going to talk about. I'm going to hold back on getting into that in detail right this moment. But if you connect with your people in a way that they can believe they matter and that there's significance for their existence, you have a lot greater chance at engagement. You have a lot greater chance at successful outcomes. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to dive into that a little bit deeper in just a moment here. But I think that's also something that's hard to sell. When you package up an ad to bring somebody into your organization, that's not the thing that tends to lead that people are interested about, but that's what they seek to be around. 
And we'll get into that a little bit more after uh, Michael gives his, his response. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people join people, uh, so, but we'll get there. So, Michael, what are you watching in terms of um, just how do you keep people in your organization and retain them? Sure. We, um, I think for us and probably for everybody, it's kind of what they even said, is keeping everybody connected. And for us, that's we're working hard to get them connected through training. Um, that's obviously my wheelhouse. That's what I'm focused on the most, but it's how do we make them feel prepared, connected in every aspect, whether they're guiding on a car, whether they're using a mat wizard, whatever they're doing, it's how do we train them and, and make them feel like that matters. And then that what they're doing matters to somebody else. So it's connecting them to the customers, connecting them to the management um, as a family run business. The personal connection matters to our, our company and to our owners. And so we want really intentionally to make everyone feel very connected and what they're doing is, is mattering to somebody. And so that's what we work really hard to try to do. Yeah, there was a session I was in this morning. Somebody was saying, um, you know, it's more, the job is washing cars, but what we do is more than washing cars. And I know we, we say that a lot, but connecting that, I think, to your people and, and the reason why they're there and spending so much time in your organizations every day is really important. And being able to show them that what they're doing does matter, that it's more than just a clean car. It's that experience they're having with the customers and with the people around them is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael, you, you had talked about one thing that I thought was fascinating, and that's about um, helping team members create like the most direct connection they can to customers and, and, and managers to employees. So can you talk a little bit just about that piece of what you all do and your focus? Sure. We, we have as a company, and we've all heard it, we've all talked about it, we know it's important to have a, a mission and a vision and a purpose on what you do, but making that connection to their real life matters. And for us, it's, it's being consistent, treating everyone like family. And um, you feel that when I, my first day, um, somebody earlier today on the stage came said something about, remember your first day on the car wash? My first day, I felt very connected to a family and realizing I want to do that for every employee and if we can make that connection. But we talk about that for everybody, including customers. And so if we can help our people understand how to truly value every customer. I love going to, to wash sites and seeing a CSA or a manager know a car. When it pulls up, they already know a retract they might need or they already know what they're coming to get. They're prepared, they've talked that through because they come all the time. Yeah. Those connections are what's gonna keep people, customers coming, but it also really is what's keeping our, our people staying. That feeling that they matter to somebody else and us working really hard to make that happen. Love that, love that. Let's come back to let's come back to this model that Justin was talking about because I I think it's a really powerful way to take a concept that can be a little bit nebulous and make it very actionable. So can you just sure. go, go into that a little bit for me? Yeah. So let let me start by framing everybody's mind on on what we're going to get into in just a second here. Uh, if we had a discussion about what is trust, there's a really high likelihood that each of us would have a little bit different definition, but feel we knew what that meant and feel we knew what the other person believed was the same as what we thought ourselves. Taking a word like trust, in this case, mattering, what does that mean? So the simplest way to put this, because I'm a huge fan, if you can't say it simply, you can't do it well enough. When we talk about somebody feeling like they matter, they know how they add value and they can identify how they are valued. So think about your teams at any tier, below or above or beside you, and how do you take the time to identify how that person adds value? 
And also, are they clear on how they provide value to others? It's kind of a symbiotic thing. It sounds simple in this room to talk about, but as soon as you start looking into that and asking the probing questions, you might find some pretty revealing things. That's kind of a high-level understanding of this. And a simple uh, model to kind of go off what Matt was alluding to here is what's referred to as the NAN model. Uh, Zach Mercurio, Dr. Zach Mercurio has been a, a great resource for me through time, and, and he works deep into this field and research. NAN, N-A-N. So we're talking about notice, affirm, needed. You might know somebody, but do you really notice that that person is going through a hard time? Perhaps you know of them, you know how they fit into your organization, maybe you even know some things about their family, but do you notice when the changes occur? Can you identify such a stark difference in that they, re they recognize they're being noticed? That takes a specific set of skills to pay attention to. When we talk about affirmation, affirmed, uh, we probably have uh, different people in here that have reward systems, uh, certificates, that kind of thing. That's a piece of it, but that's not what I'm talking about. When we talk about affirmation in a sense of mattering, we're talking about trying to align unique strengths with unique outcomes. Can you turn to one of your coworkers and say, I notice this is something you do particularly well, and this is the outcome because of your strength you have to do that particularly well? That takes time, that takes discipline, that you have to really hone into that. And last but not least, the, the last end needed. I'm sure plenty of times we tell somebody, great job, nice work today. And that feels good, skin deep, but it feels good. How are they needed? How can you build on this? You know, oftentimes when we think about who's needed, the absence of somebody often proves their significance of the presence. I'm going to say that again, the absence of somebody often proves the significance of their presence. When one of your key team members is out for a week and they get back, thank God you're back. That's a piece of it. The other piece is, I'm so glad you're back. When you were gone, here's some things that reveal themselves. You're really needed to help navigate these types of scenarios. So noticing, affirming, and needing. Identifying those things consistently with individuals is a great practice to build up a sense of mattering. And, and doing it in real time, right? Real time, yeah. yeah. It's, it's one thing to have, uh, schedule your good intentions, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Schedule your good intentions. All of us walk around all the time like, I should have done that thing. I'll get to that. Schedule your good intentions. It's literally on my own calendar one day a week where I just do this type of stuff deliberately. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Like you said, uh, what's, what's simple gets done, what's measured gets done, and what's on the calendar gets done. Yes. You, you got to have it on, <laughs> down on paper. Um, I love that model because I'm a big fan of acronyms because I'm just a word <laughs> nerd. But I also uh, think that that's the, kind of the perfect way to get us into this conversation around engagement, mm. right? There's, there's the stuff that we watch and the ways we want to attract and retain these people, but you need to engage with them. And that's a really great acronym. I'm curious to know um, what you all are seeing in terms of uh, how, what are some creative ways that we might be able to better engage with our teams and make sure that they keep coming back year after year. And I want to start uh, here with, with Claire. Yeah, I think um, engagement can take on lots of different forms, but I think investing in your people, number one, is really important. And I might be stealing a little of Michael's thunder, but I think showing your employees that you're invested in their professional growth and their professional development 
is one of the best ways that you can keep your team engaged. So you're going to get the benefit of additional training that you're going to provide for your employees. They're going to get the benefit of being able to upskill themselves or grow into a new role or whatnot. So you can't skimp on training. I think, you know, from a, just even from a recruitment perspective, having some sort of training in place right now is just a given. You have to have something that folks are going to get engaged with. But it's not about just that onboarding or that, that initial training they might receive. It's keeping them engaged throughout their entire career, building that career path for them to understand how they're going to move along in your organization and how you specifically are going to help them grow there within their organization. Um, you know, that can be training, that can be coaching, that can be just development in general, but I think you have to take the time and meaningfully invest in your employees' growth. So I want to... I wanna go off of that down to Michael because I think he's got an interesting perspective for us. Michael Michael is relatively new to the car wash industry. Uh, 18 months, is that-ish? Give or take, give or something take, like that. Yeah, give or take a few. Um, but Michael's got a great educational background and a great kind of training background. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that training piece too from what you see as, as a relative newcomer to, the, to this industry? Sure. I, um, I have been gifted with the ability or, or an opportunity to... Um, to really try to make sure we set something up right. And I can't promise I'm always getting it right, but I can say that I appreciate the opportunity to be able to try to navigate something and not just force something to happen, but let it happen through great people. And we're working hard to figure out ways to always improve, to change a, to even use some, some buzzwords and those kind of things, to change a culture, to make it so that training is the center of what we're doing. And if we can every day work towards a goal, whatever that is, and, and constantly be thinking, how can we get better at what we do, but better as people, better at serving customers, better at taking care of the equipment, but all those things. And so finding ways to hold people accountable. And then the piece that I, I probably personally struggle with the, the most is recognizing what that looks like. We've um, been great. We, we use it. We have a great training platform, the trainable that we use to kind of push teams through a process. There's accountability in that. But to, to create a process where we can recognize that we've had some managers really speak up and go, I'm looking, when we say we're going to invest in them, they're looking for something that matters. And so we've been um, lucky enough to partner with um, ICA, with Claire on their lead training. And so we're going through that process now. Uh, excited about that, but excited about that level of importance that we're going to put on that and the feedback we're already getting from some parts that have already going through that process. But excited to be able to say when you're done, We've invested this in you and look what the outcome of it is. When you talked about outcomes, to be able to have something real that they can say, I am certified in what I'm doing and we want them to be. We're, gonna, we're kind of holding them to a standard of what we want um, and excited about that recognition of what that feels like um, and where that can potentially take us as we go. So um, in our world, we're working really, really hard to try to personalize that training as we go through it. Yeah, yeah. Justin, I, so I won't make you talk about training um, <laughs> because obviously it's an important piece of what you all do and you, you invest in your people as well. But I want to, I think that you all do a really fantastic job of being very creative in the ways that you think about investing in your people and the, the opportunities that you provide. Could you just go in a little bit in terms of like some of the um, creative ways that Breeze Through is, is doing that? Sure, sure. And, and this actually does tie to engagement. Um, before I dive into the direct answer, engagement's another one of those words that I think is like trust and mattering. If we can't clearly define it, we don't know what we're really chasing. Yeah. Um, so I want to start by saying we do have an engagement platform uh, as we've scaled from one site to 12 and onward. You lose contact with the front lines. And so we use a platform called Go Happy. 
and it does an annual engagement survey and some pulse uh, surveys along the way. And a piece of that is pretty important because if you're asking your team for feedback, you're noticing their feedback, you need to do something to affirm that their feedback matters, that it makes a difference. And that's really how the, you get this kind of symbiotic relationship. The whole company, I shouldn't say the whole company, 80% of the company is telling you this would be meaningful to us. And through the data, the leadership team has a responsibility to show how these changes are needed for the organization by way of the feedback. So you get this great harmonious thing and you start to sprinkle in uh, some of the other things to answer your question a little more directly here. Um, you know, not only is, is the pay competitive and the benefits are there and so forth and so on, but we've gone out of our way to put together a Department of Labor certified operations management uh, program. It's a two-year program where when somebody goes through this curriculum, uh, they're basically getting an education that's collegiate level. They can take this anywhere beyond the industry. Um, employee housing is a big thing we're looking into. We've got uh, several units now. We're expanding on that and probably building 60 more right now, apartments and for employee housing intentions. You start to, as an applicant or an employee, you start to work with a business that cares to invest in people beyond the scope of the business needs, right? I need stable uh, home life. I need safe space, legitimately safe space, not the taped down area in the corner, but literally a home to be in. Um, those kind of things are meaningful to us too. And so you start to see an elevation in talent and ability for people that come into an organization. They get more engaged. Uh, we've, we've got several people to show today, and I get asked this all the time. Well, who, who's opening, who's running the sites? Well, it's a ton of people that have felt this, you know, years of engagement and, and really feel like they matter that are doing a fantastic job. Um, so that, that's a little bit of, of what we do there. Well, yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's like creating that owner mentality, right? So it doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter um, which members of the team are there because they all feel like it's theirs. So they're gonna do the right thing, they're gonna make the right decisions, and they can be empowered and emboldened to kind of do what they're best at. Yeah, I'm so glad. The owner mentality, um, by and large, I think that's a fallacy to chase around an employee being an owner without them being on the actual operating agreement. Right. Uh, so what we did, because this is another piece of the puzzle here, is say, well, let's, let's train them on P&Ls and balance sheets at the site manager level and up, and let's give them a percent of the pie without the liability of being an owner. And so now they look at this every four months, and their income is boosted as an owner's would be if they perform well and they learn all of these different KPIs and critical success factors. And the whole idea is that mindset. It's like you can't ask somebody to be an owner unless you're willing to commit, but it doesn't make sense to put them on the operating agreement. It, it, that's a lot of risk there and a lot of change if somebody leaves or what have you. Um, so there's another way to like lean into that mindset to bring them in to feel like they matter. So one of the things that I think is super fascinating is um, your use of engagement surveys. Um, that's one way to make sure people are feeling heard, right? So you, you, do the, you do the surveys and then you actually take action based on what you see in the surveys. That's the step that's always missed. Uh, people take the surveys and say, okay, we scored this well, this way, people said this, eh, okay, let's just keep doing it the way we're doing it. Um, what are some other ways to make people feel heard? Because obviously in, with, when it comes to surveys, make them feel heard by acting on the feedback, but what else can we do to make sure our employees feel heard? And Claire, let's start with you. Just listening to what Justin was saying, I, you know, I think what's important is really understanding what matters to the individual and yeah. really being able to engage on that individual level. So I think it's awesome what you guys do with employee housing and you've got you know, a really 
uh, awesome tool that you can utilize to engage with your employees, but even just at the individual one-on-one -on -one level, manager to employee, or finding out what's important to them and what's going to be significant to them, that's one way to be able to really tap into what they need. And if you can provide someone with a tool, and it might be something really simple, to help them do their job better or help them live their life better, they're going to trust you for life. And I think that's that's really important. So you've got to really drill down, I think, on the, on the individual level um, to understand what people's basic needs are from their employer. And again, remember that their whole self comes to work. They're, you know, they come to do a job, but they're bringing them whole, their whole selves to work. So it's really being able to tap into not just what they need to do their job more effectively, but what do they need to be able to live their life effectively and come to work and feel supported and feel like they can, they can really engage with you. Mm -hmm. Michael, what about you? What are some ways that, that you're helping employees feel heard? We, uh, it, so in training, I'll just give you an easy example. I put in, I want feedback. We want things to be what matters to them. And whenever you get feedback and have an opportunity to change something to what the folks on the front lines at the sites are telling you. So I may have written up a whole great module that I think is perfect, it's been great, everybody should use it. And then you get the feedback that says, man, really this is what we're doing. And you go, thank you and be able to put that back into place. Um, to me, that's awesome. Like I, I'd rather them give me the material and let's figure out the best way, best practices across our company. Um, and so, and then making sure the credit gets given where it's due. I, I don't have to write everything. I, all I'm trying to do is do everything I can to resource everyone with their, um, to be the best at their jobs. And the reality is we have so many good people. And so to be able to recognize what they're saying and then put it into place. If what, if just because in our world we think something's going to work, well, at the site level, we may discover something's different. And I greatly appreciate feedback. Um, and I want us to meet them where they are and not me just decide sitting at my desk what matters the most. Um, and so I love being able to put out and go, hey, all this is new material. And it comes from, you know, Ryan in Texas, or it comes from, you know, Kelly in airport. Or anyway, we're going to do, we're going to make sure we try to give credit where credit's due. Um, because I want them to be recognized. They're the ones that are going to be truly doing whatever it is we're trying to put into place. Mm. And so I, I love when they give us feedback, and I love getting a chance to highlight what they're actually telling us. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and it brings up the, the, a really important point, I think, which is coming to it with an open mind, right? And so being able to listen and be receptive to all that feedback, that's not an easy skill. Right? A lot of people don't really want feedback. They say they do, but they don't. <laughs> um, but being receptive to that and being willing to act on that and make your people feel like they have great ideas and that it's a psychologically safe space for them to bring them forward to you, I think that's super, super important. Justin, tell me a little bit about what else you all do uh, in terms of helping people feel heard. You're yeah, I, I want to drive home a point because I, I bet everybody in the audience has worked with some kind of feedback loop at any level. And that point is, um, you, you touched on a little bit, Michael, but if you're the type of organization that does act on feedback, you know, and, and there's something good being done, you can start to feel a little bit of burnout on the side that's responding to the feedback if you aren't conscious about literally going back to your team to close the loop to show them that their feedback changed this outcome. That's a simple, simple, subtle thing, but I, I've been down this road where it's like, we are doing everything that they're, they're asking for here and we're making big changes, what's missing? They couldn't see the changes. And so take the time to close the loop entirely in any of those scenarios and bring it all the way back. 
Um, you know, another thing that comes to mind is uh, we've got a pretty favorable uh, PTO policy that um, it's up to like six weeks a year. And I, I've even teetered on the idea of unlimited PTO. And I know some people even in our industry that do that and outside of our industry. And it's fascinating. The numbers still come out very much the same as if you had six weeks. Yeah. Uh, we allow them to tap into that PTO for any time where they may not make 40 hours in a week for any number of reasons. And so it's there for two reasons. It's to give them a reprieve. And if something happened and they had to be away, they, they have a way to have their income still remain steady. That's proven pretty valuable through time. And I think people really appreciate that early on. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome. I love that flexibility piece because it, it shows you're being adaptable to what the market needs and what the people need. And you're being people centric, which is really great. Um, this leads us perfectly, by the way, into recognition, right? Because so we talked about being heard. Um, we talked a lot about then how do you recognize the people who gave you those great ideas? How do you recognize those changes? How do you communicate those changes? What are some things we need to be considering when it comes to recognizing our people? And we'll start here with Claire again. Uh, I, I talked about this a little bit this morning. I think it's about meaningful recognition and individual recognition. So again, not recognizing just to say, okay, I went and I recognized four people today. Um, but really recognizing people for something very specific that they've done that, like Justin said, had an impact. But then um, also really understanding how people like to be recognized. Some people love to be publicly recognized in front of everybody and, and, and kind of get that big hurrah and then and, and everybody's behind them. Other people much prefer to be privately recognized. They feel embarrassed when they're recognized publicly. And so, again, it's all about knowing your people and knowing who they are and how they respond and being able to adapt your way of recognizing them properly. So um, I think meaningful and um, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I forget what the other option was, but yeah, really connecting with your people. I love it. I love it. Justin, how about you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to role play this out for the audience. I uh -oh. see Brian Doster over there. Hey, Brian, good to see you. Uh, Brian visited our sites not long ago to meet with our recruiter. And uh, that's a space that Brian lives in at a different organization uh, in Nashville. I'm just going to literally role play out how this looks because it's important when you have the opportunity to capitalize on it. Hey, Brian, I just want you to know, I noticed the impact you had on not only our recruiter, Kelsey, and the organization along the way, because I heard feedback from people that were not Kelsey to affirm that your talent made an impact at, at, at like the site level, our corporate leadership level. I was really taken back by that because I imagined it only to be focused around recruiting. And I didn't realize just how much that visit was needed from you. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Brian, I have a question for you. Hold on a minute. Do you feel like you matter? Say it louder for everybody else. Yes, I meant what I said. That's how it works. Here, you want to drop this? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it only works. If you see me do it live. I mean, that, that's I want to make you believers. That's truly what I felt about that visit. I love that. I love that. Uh, Michael, how about you? Um, I would say that I know that as an organization, there are probably things that we could still keep learning about recognizing people. But what I would say in our world, um, what we work hard on from recognition is truly getting to a personal level with our people. Um, that was important when we were smaller and growing um, for our owners as they went from a place that was just family to now we're starting to grow and grow. How do we keep those personal connections? And so working hard to keep pushing district managers and regional managers who are great 
at staying very personal. We want to recognize when someone's family is having a hard time. We want to recognize when um, somebody's struggling at home, or we want to recognize when they've had a birth. Or our marketing team recently, we got information out and we put on all of our boards, recognizing all of our graduates in the community. Um, because we want the people in the community to realize, hey, we're, we've got kids who are graduating from your local high schools and we want to engage in that. And so I appreciate that we are trying, as we get bigger, and this is the hard task for us, is how to continue to recognize people for who they really are, not just because they can help our bottom line or keep our car counts up or, do any, or run a site well, but that they matter, that their you know, husbands and wives matter, their kids matter, their friends matter, and they matter to us in a way that we're going to ask about that as much or more than we are going to ask about the numbers. Um, sure, there are definitely measurables we have to get to, but man, I never want us to lose the personal feel of who we are and that everybody there is known and matters. And so from a recognition piece, I think that's where we are pushing to always stay. Um, I definitely think we could grow in how we recognize people for accomplishing goals, but I, I am grateful that I'm with Plum, that, that that thing matters. Those individual things matter. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, just a couple of minutes left. I have one more question, uh, but I don't, I don't want to take away from any questions that you all may have. So if there is a question from the audience uh, that you want to ask these three uh, talented people, uh, in the back, do we have a mic back there that we can get over to the corner? We've got a runner. Perfect. Um, again, say, say who you are, where you're from, what organization. Hi, my name is Danny Brown. I am from Michigan. I'm a district manager of uh, a company called Cleanview Auto Wash. Um, I used to be a basketball coach, so I get people super engaged, super pumped up, but sometimes they overwork themselves in an unhealthy way because of me driving them that way. So what are your strategies to make sure you do that in a healthy way? Not everybody all at once. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> we'll jump in. Uh, but great question, and I would love to see the hype that you do with your team. <laughs> I, that's right. And I think basketball coach, I think hype. Um, so I think that would be fun. Um, I think that it, for, I'll tell you, in our organization, it starts with how it's modeled. And so we talk about people making sure they take care of their lives as much as they take care of the Washington. We, for sure, are high achievers. We're pushed to work hard. Um, and we want to do that, but we want to model, though, healthy behavior. So that means when the day is done, figuring out you need to be able to let something go, set something on tomorrow's to-do list, and get back to it, but allow somebody to get home. I am I'm grateful that I'm allowed those opportunities, um, and we try to, to, to model that all the way through, that we talk about things. Um, we recently started trying to push out things about, hey, here's some books that everybody should read. Here's some um, things to think about when you leave, how to leave stuff on your, on a, you know, kind of on a tree at your front door. And when you come back the next day, that worry tree has less stuff on it. And so we, those kind of things are trying to be pushed out there. Uh, but I think it starts with modeling those kind of behaviors as best you can. And it's Danny, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Danny. Okay, great. Uh, two things came to mind. Um, one is uh, I love sports, and so I, I think of basketball coaches at, at all different levels. And the thing I see at the, the younger level is there's a lot of focus on what would be referred to as momentary coaching. 
if a different path were taken and got in uh, line with what is developmental coaching, that takes some of the burden off to not feel so urgent. A balance of that might help, right? To, to really study a methodology around developmental coaching. That's one thing that comes to mind. And another thing is, um, I think about uh, physiologically, we all have this same thing in interest, and that is the number one person to each of us is ourselves. And I know that can sound a little odd at first, but if you were to take the air out of this room, none of us are reaching for the person across from us to try to save them. We want to save ourselves. We just ran out of air. There's a physiological need to take care of ourselves. And so if you start to get into some of that psychology and you work with somebody on understanding, if they really want to make an impact, they want to do big things, Step one, learn how to take care of yourself. And so th those are the two things that came to mind in response to your question. Yeah, it sounds like um, you know, some people get a lot of energy from working extra hard and working really hard. And so, again, depending on this person or this group of people, that, that might actually be really rewarding for them. But I think maybe your job then is to um, make sure they're still working at the highest and best use of their talent. So, you know, what can they shed perhaps to then be able to take on a new challenge or to be able to work smarter, not necessarily harder, right? So is there something else that you could give them that's going to challenge them in different ways than they are right now so they're not just kind of burning out to keep working harder and harder and harder? Great. Do we have any other questions from the audience? No. That, I, that was really great advice, by the way, all three of you. Um, that's super powerful stuff. I think it, it does come back to knowing your people, right? and knowing how to engage with them, how to help train them, how to coach them. All of that stuff is amazing. I have one last question for you. What's one thing that I can do today to be better tomorrow? And now this can be, again, this can be related to what we were just talking about as it relates to engagement, or it can be life advice. Read more books, right? So I'm going to give you a moment while I just say random words so you can think about that question. And then we're going to start with Michael down at the end. <laughs> um... Well, I'll tell you a couple things. Uh, first thing that came to mind, um, not long after I started working at Riches, our, uh, our director of uh, service um, on the service side said something to me. He said, um, I, I, get, I still get pretty proud of myself, again, relatively new to the industry. I get pretty proud of myself when I get to do something, change out a chain. I go fix a problem. There's an issue, and I call, and I'm able to fix it instead of just making someone that still has these moments. And I was telling him about one very early on and he said, every day you should learn something. Yeah. Um, he said, and I, for somebody who I've listened to fix problems on the phone at a place he, you know, he just knows the whole back room just from memory, um, for him to say learning every day mattered, I, that stuck. So learn something new every day. Um, my wife would tell you that you should listen better every day. <laughs> so as a guy who talks too much, I learn to listen every day. Um, and then just personal philosophy, just to keep with those kind of ideas, um, figure out how to love somebody more every day. So I would say learn, listen, and love. Man, that's, that's hard oh, to follow. How do, you, how do we follow that? Yeah, which one do you want to, you guys want to, want to rock, paper, scissors? I'll, I'll, I'll close it out. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so gracious. Yeah, that's so great. Thanks. Um, well, I, I don't know if any, did any of you guys see uh, the recent documentary that came out around the holidays that was called Stutz? Has anyone seen it with Jonah Hill? Yeah. So I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal something from him because first of all, that documentary is awesome. It's on Netflix. So if you've got some time, watch that. But one of the things he talks about, and it, it's a documentary about his therapist and 
he likes to kind of illustrate points by drawing lots of pictures. But the one that stood with me, I think it was a, it's a pyramid, and he talks about, you know, feeling truly happy with yourself. 85% of everything that happens to make you feel good every day happens at the bottom of the pyramid, and that's all about taking care of yourself and your body. And so moving a little bit every day and getting enough sleep and drinking enough water and all the things that we're probably not doing while we're here are really important to helping you feel a better, more fulfilled person. And then the second part was your network and your, your people and making sure you have that village of people you can trust and get to. And then that should hopefully help you get to that ultimate level of happiness. So go see the documentary, but also take care of yourself because I think you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no one else who can do that for you. Mm. Good stuff. I like that. I'm going to have to watch that. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Justin, you're up. All right. We talked a little bit about uh, noticing, affirming, and needing. There are plenty of opportunities on this show floor to take just a moment to notice somebody that would least expect it. That might be somebody in the industry. That might be somebody serving hors d'oeuvres or food or drinks later. It might be somebody in the bathroom cleaning the stall. Take time to notice them. Identify how you notice them affirm with them the difference they're making with the strengths they apply. It may seem silly, but you gotta try and close it with how they're needed. You can do that all day long. The reason I want you to do it today is because this is the best opportunity to keep it fresh in your head. And the thing I'm gonna ask of you is to just study the reaction if you do that. Even if you fumble it, it's going to catch somebody off guard in a way that's gonna surprise you and you're gonna feel some sense of mattering from that. So that's my challenge for you today. What do we think? <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Thank you so much to this group uh, for sharing their incredible talent. Thank you so much, you Thanks, guys. Man. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.